0: Two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Hello, how's it going? What's up, everybody? Where are you at? What's happening? What are you wearing? What's your hair like? How's your day? What'd you have for breakfast? Welcome to the Sneaky Email. This is episode number forty-one, uh, and this one is um, a cat's tail. <laughs> it's, it's so stupid. What a dumb name. Um, so this is this is like a. Um, or maybe, I don't, maybe I should call it that, or maybe my other title for today was A Beautiful Lesson from a Terrible Creature. <laughs> <laughs> a Beautiful Lesson from a Terrible Creature. So this is actually uh, based on a, a message that I'm getting ready to give in a week, two weeks, something like that. And um, it's we're, we're doing this series at the church. If you if you go to our church or follow online or anything like that, this this may be a bit of a repeat Um but if you missed it, or if you don't, this is perfect. And even if you did see it or hear it, this is still really good because I was okay. So let me explain it how I got to this, and then tell you why I'm doing something that normally I don't try. Normally I try to not do like the sermons that I'm doing. Like I try to keep it as a separate, its own separate thing. But this one is so good, um, not because of anything I did, but because of the concept and the premise of the whole thing. Uh, that I thought, you know what, man, this is just, I feel like this is something people need to hear. And this is something that it's, this is kind of in the, uh, right, uh, in the vein of what the sneaky emu is about where, you know, again, if you, if you're, if you're just getting in on this stuff and you haven't started from the beginning or whatever, the whole premise of the sneaky emu is taking the things like, um, especially when it comes to the Bible, the things that Maybe if you've grown up in church and you have a particular understanding or particular way of seeing things and like this is how this is what this verse means and this is what this story means and this is how we use this. Um, there's a lot more going on in these stories than I think we're often talk are often talked about or often uh, told to us growing up in church. And so this is about like seeing the thing that's been there all along. Maybe you didn't see the first time Right now it's based off this whole experience I had with an actual emu In case you didn't know why this is called Sneaky emu and so I felt like this story Is like really in line With this whole concept and with this whole way Of thinking so The premise of everything is this Um I we're doing this series and It's called I Spy Discovering God in the Everyday And I asked all of our staff To like over the past couple months To go find like just keep an eye out for things that speak to the nature of God. And so, and then when they see something to take a picture of it and then like bring it to me and then tell me like what, like why this was a, a profound thing, why this was something special to them and what it speaks to the nature of God or what kind of lesson this thing can provide. And then like, they'll talk about it and then I'll build a sermon off of whatever it is they say. Right. So you could look at this one of two ways, either, um, I'm really clever and creative and including other people into the sermon process. Or you could look at it like I'm lazy and I'm depending on them to do the work <laughs> and that I just ride their coattails. I'm okay with either one. Um, but each week we're going to, we'll have uh, it's like kind of a, I don't know. It's not really fully a co-teaching, but that person will get up on stage with me. They'll show their picture They'll give like a little devotion sermonette thing and why it was important to them. And then I'll take it and kind of expand and go on from there. Um, So this week uh, or this week, next week, whenever it is, a couple of weeks, um, our children's minister's name is Elise. And Elise is a big time animal lover person. And um, she wanted to do a picture of her cat whose name is Bagel. Now, I am actually allergic to cats. And don't they? Here's the problem with cats. Uh, first of all, I'm allergic. Second of all, when I'm around a cat, they know I'm allergic, and so they intentionally come to me and try to rub all over me. So it's not just that I'm allergic; it's that they um, try to take advantage of and exploit and intentionally cause me pain. That's my issue with the cats. Anyways, she's a <laughs> she's a cat person. Cat. She's an animal lover. Who happens to rescue cats? Um, so her picture is about this cat. Her picture is this cat named Bagel, little cute little kitten, cute as a button, cute enough that, yeah. Anyways, um, and so her her kind of premise was um, the thing that she connected to the cat was uh, the story of Jesus and the and the ten lepers. Okay, so I'll read that and then we'll talk about it. Uh, and really, her point was that. You know, because she loves these cats, she rescues them, and sometimes she'll rescue a cat, and it'll stick around and like um, hang out for a little bit, and then leave. Like she'll put all this time, this effort into like rescuing a kitten, giving it a home, loving it, whatever, and then it will eventually take off. This other this cat bagel that this is the photo is it didn't leave; it stuck around, and so like her her insight with this was like uh, connected to the 10 lepers and that you know um in that story only one leper comes back and so she she kind of put together in her head like oh well this is like we're kind of like the cats right like that god loves us in a way that um even when we don't show gratitude like God still loves us, right? It's a kind of, it's a cool it's a cool concept. So let me read that story, and then we'll kind of go from there. Okay, so it's uh, Luke chapter seventeen, uh, verse eleven. <clears throat> now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men had leprosy. Ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, "Jesus, Master, have pity on us!" When he saw them, he said. Go show yourself to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, Were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, Rise and go. Your faith has made you well. Now, there's a lot of stuff that's happening in that that passage. Um, a lot of really, really interesting stuff. Like, like, um, the fact that, um, that Jesus was interacting with the lepers was a big deal. Uh, you know, he wasn't in this story, wasn't touching them, wasn't whatever, but they're all standing outside of the city because the lepers are considered unclean. And so they were, like, kicked out of their villages. They were forced to leave their families. They lived on the outskirts of the towns. So it says Jesus was on his way into the village, which means he wasn't in the village yet. And so they shout from a distance, like, have mercy on us. And Jesus says to them, like, go show yourself to the priest. And then it says they went, and they as they went, they were cleansed. Um, it also highlights, uh, it says, the, the one that came back and praised him it points out that he was a samaritan this would have been a huge deal um at this time and at this place because the jews hated samaritans like loathed the samaritans um there's a there's a lot of history and backstory with the samaritans that causes them to hate them i think we've talked about this maybe how at at um there's i think it was josephus or somebody one of the one of the ancient historians had have there there's literature out there Uh, historic literature where they talk about a Jewish ceremony at the temple and how much the Jews hated the Samaritans was that there was a time dedicated in the temple service in which they would stand and publicly curse the Samaritans. Right? So there is a deep sense of hatred for the Samaritans. So the, the story is interesting because it highlights that the one who came back and was grateful was in fact a Samaritan. So here you have another instance of somebody, uh, like in the story of the Good Samaritan, where you have the Jewish person, the Jewish people, who, who walk around the guy on the road, and it's the Samaritan who actually loves the neighbor, right? Uh, so here in this story, it's the Samaritan who actually comes back and shows gratitude. So this would have had the people hearing this story, like, man, they would have been Frustrated, irritated, like a bit upset about the whole thing. That Jesus, the Samaritan, becomes the hero. Then uh, <clears throat> again, there's just a lot you could talk about, um, a, a ton you could talk about here, and like you, you could you could highlight the fact that it's the foreigner and the Samaritan, and that Jesus is essentially like healing everybody, that he's healing the outcasts and the marginalized, and that it, it's always about expanding the kingdom and all this stuff. Uh, you could talk about how. It says, as they uh, as they went, they were cleansed. And so Jesus says, go show yourself to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. So you could make a case for this being about like, um, like putting your faith into action, right? Like actually playing your faith out. Like, oh, it's one thing to believe. It's another thing to have faith. Like belief is, yeah, I believe he could heal me. But faith is I'm actually going to go to the priest trusting that I'll be healed. And so you could make a case for that story. Or as the story typically gets used... Um, it can be used as like a story about gratitude and learning to be grateful for what we've been given. These are a whole lot of great things. But the thing that we talked about in the sermon, the way that we went with this based on Elise's story and her love of cats, I think is, is a much more profound, um, much more profound story in how we think of and understand the nature of God. Okay. So let me reread verse 15 and 19 and we'll talk about it. Uh One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw, them at, threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked them, and he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Now, this is what, what, <laughs> what, is, what is interesting here. Jesus says, were not all ten cleansed? Like, this is a question that's not really a question. Do you know what I'm talking about? Do you ever do this? If you have kids, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Like, When you tell your kids to do something and they don't do something, and then you have to remind them that you told them to go do it. Didn't I tell you to take out the trash? Didn't I tell you to pick up your room? That's not a question. Is it mom? Is it dad? No, you already told them you're reaffirming the thing that you already did. This is something that I actually already did. So Jesus says, we're not all 10 cleansed. So the assumption here is that yes, all 10 were in fact cleansed. And so to me what's incredible about this and how this ties to the cat silly cat um is that uh <clears throat> this is the component to me that speaks to the nature of god okay so god is is god in the bible is described as love god the, the god who is love who cannot not love what you see here is a picture that is a picture of the idea that the love of God is not dependent upon the response of the lepers, right? Um, God's love is not dependent upon upon your response. You are loved, whether you realize it or accept it or not, does not change his love for you. Jesus offers this love and healing to the lepers, and they're all healed regardless of, of their response. Right. Think if you think about how that story like plays out, how it goes down, um, it's it's kind of a it's it's like a it's kind of a risky move on on the part of Jesus. Okay, uh, think about that story. The outcast outside of the city cry out, "Have mercy on us!" and he does. And the only thing he says is, "Go show yourself to the priest." That's it. There there were no conditions beyond that. There's no like. um uh, um, come, Go show yourself to the priest and come back to me No, he doesn't say that There's no um, like, Go show yourself to the priest And then call me and let me know that everything's okay There was no um, Well, do you believe that I am the Christ The son of the living God On a mission from God to save the world Oh, you do? Okay, good Then now you can be healed There was was no condition beyond that. There was just, go show show yourself to the priests. And Jesus had no idea, he had no guarantee about how they would respond. Would they come back or would they not? Would they say thank you or would they not? Would they follow him or would they not? Would they love him for what they did, for what he did for them or would he not? He had no guarantees about how they would respond after they were healed. I said that like awkwardly he he had no guarantees about how they would respond after they were healed and yet they were still healed do you see why this is such a big idea do you see why this is such a like this is an incredible story like beyond the way that it normally gets used with the idea of oh we just have to be grateful like always come back make sure you come back make sure you say thank you make sure when they they pass the dinner rolls around the table that you say thank you make sure that no, this is this is speaking <clears throat> on this much deeper level to the nature and the character of God. God is love. He cannot not love. And the thing about love is that love is always risky. To love anything or to love anyone is to be vulnerable, right? That's one thing I think, um, and I don't if we've done a podcast on this or not. I know I've preached about it, about the idea of, of a vulnerable God. Um, so often when, when the church where Christians talk about God, it's always about God almighty, God almighty. He is powerful. He's strong. He is in control. Like we pray to God, the father, the warrior, the healer, the, but we don't often talk about the vulnerable nature of who God is. And if God is love, then God must be vulnerable, right? Because love is vulnerable. Do you know what I'm talking about? I think, in fact, I think it was, um, no, that word El Shaddai have we talked about that I'm getting to the point where we've talked about so many things that I don't what <laughs> we've talked about it. I should keep a list um the word El Shaddai that they don't really know what it is uh that normally uh I think Amy Grant had a song El Shaddai El Shaddai la 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 um and it, that word normally gets translated to uh, Almighty, like God Almighty, but how uh, they've actually, I'm pretty sure we've talked about this, how we've, they've discovered that that word actually um, uh, has to do, <laughs> it's gone through, I have talked about this, I know I have, uh, I'll do it anyway, though. So, um, this word has gone through this transition, they've discovered that that word is actually feminine, and it, uh, it had to do with um, like bosoms or breasts, Of a a female And so But the way that it got like um, The etymology of the word I guess is is the the right thing Is that it went from breast and bosom To um, mountains Which is really funny And then from mountains it went to almighty Because you know it's a mountain It's strong, it's stable, it's a rock But actually that word has to do with the feminine Has to do with nurturing, has to do with caring And providing Right? if and if you go through and I think if you look at where that word is used how it's used it's always almost in like this nurturing capacity so <laughs> God is this love God is has this feminine um, nature to to her to him to it to God to her um and anytime and because ultimately God is love right so uh anytime that there is love and there is nurture and there is care there is going to be Vulnerability. A mother is going to be vulnerable because of her children, right? Think about think about uh, your own experiences, just like as a human being on the planet, and the relationships you've had or the the experiences you've had. Anytime you've loved anything or anything, anyone or anything, it involves some sort of risk and it involves some sort of vulnerability. Um, when it comes to like the, the story of, of me and my wife, it, it's always a story of risk when it comes to relationship and love. Uh, when, when we first met, I had to ask her dad, um, over the phone for permission to get her phone number and his, her dad had to ask her mom and her mom had to ask her. So it was like this long chain of events, <laughs> long chain of conversations for me to be able to get her phone number. And I didn't even get her phone number. They gave me her email. Because when we started dating. This was before everybody had cell phones everywhere. And it was super easy. We had to chat through the electronic mail. <laughs> Which is wild. I'm so old. Oh my gosh. And so that that was a risk. Like uh, Mr. Stevens. Can I have your daughter's information? <laughs> uh, well what's your purpose son uh, I'm a guy And she's a girl And she's hot And I wanna <laughs> What's what's, the, what's ever the purpose Of getting a girl's number what, uh, To write a poem Probably not Anyways so I had to ask I had to ask her dad for her information and I got her email like that's a bit risky I'm putting myself out there or when I sent the first email <laughs> hey uh you remember me uh we had lunch uh you want to talk uh right like thankfully it was email form so I didn't have to like do a lot of ums and uhs I could just write some sheepish sheepish email about how I had a good time and we should continue to communicate via electronic mail and that's risky because what if she doesn't respond the way that I hope that she responds? What if she didn't have a good time? What if she <clears throat> chooses to say, no, I don't want to talk to you. I'm busy with school, whatever. Like you're putting yourself out there. Or even like when we, when I proposed, um, when I proposed to her, anytime you you propose to somebody, anytime you, cause that's a, I mean, that's a huge thing, right? To invite somebody to like be with somebody for your life. Like, Hey, let's spend our lives together that's a big deal like you're putting yourself out there cuz what if they say no and then what does that do for who you are as a person do you know what i'm talking about like uh what about having kids having kids is risky um what's the, there's a phrase about um having a kid or saying uh, uh, having a kid is like having your heart walking around outside of your body yes if you had kids you you know this you know uh, this experience um it it can be scary raising kids? Cause you never know what's going to happen. Um, like, uh, it can be scary taking my kids to the playground. Uh, what if, what if they fall off something? What if they run into something? What if, uh, you know, not just from the f- physical dangers that they may uh, face, but like the, like the emotional dangers, like what if, um, uh, what if your kid goes to, fu- to, uh, to uh, there's a group of kids and your kid wants to go up and play with them and they reject them. Like have you ever seen your kid get rejected at the playground? Like, oh, it's like the most it's the most heartbreaking thing. Like, come on, he's a good kid. Trust me, he's fun. Like, why are they not accepting him? Um <clears throat> or even like with with raising teenagers. Uh, I don't I don't have teenagers yet, but I know uh, my buddy does and uh and they're going through some really tough stuff right now. Like stuff that's super heavy, super difficult and and I can see the pain and the hurt that he's going through because of his love for kids, uh, for not just for kids, for his kids, right? Because they're going through this difficulty, it's taking a huge toll on him. Because he loves them, love is risky, and when you love, you will be vulnerable, right? And but when it comes to love, like what other choice do you have to to not take that risk? To not be vulnerable, like choosing to avoid vulnerability, uh, is choosing to minimize the joy of love that you will experience in your life. Because the, the reality is, the more you, the more love you give, uh, the more you will feel. The more love you will feel, and the more love you give, and the more you feel the more you expose yourself to the potential for some sort of pain. But yet, on the other hand, the more you hold back your heart, the more you keep yourself, the more you lock that up, um, the less you choose to be vulnerable, the emptier and more superficial your relationships will be. The less fulfilling those relationships will be, right? And if if you've been hurt before or you've been rejected or maybe the one that you... Um, that told you They would love you forever Decided that they didn't love you anymore Like that Can be a painful Experience if, if you've experienced that You know the depths of the pain that this can cause And if you've been hurt like that Or you've been hurt like that multiple times You know that it can be hard uh, To be willing to open yourself up again Right You know how hard it is to attempt to be vulnerable with somebody else. Well, I was vulnerable. I took that risk. I experienced that moment. But then the pain after was so great, right? You understand that on a deep, deep level, you understand on a deep, deep level just how risky it is to be vulnerable. Um, how You you know how risky it is to attempt to like love openly again. There's this great quote from C.S. Lewis in the book, The Four Loves, where he says, he says this um, about the idea of vulnerability. He says, To love it all is to be vulnerable. Love anything and your heart will be wrung and possibly broken. If you want to make sure of keeping it intact, you must give it to no one, not even an animal. Wrap it carefully round with hobbies and little luxuries. Avoid all entanglements. Lock it up safe in the casket or coffin of your selfishness. But in that casket safe dark motionless airless it will change it will not be broken it will become unbreakable impenetrable irredeemable to love is to be vulnerable right so you, you can actually keep your heart from ever being hurt or broken again but the question is like at at what cost right love is risky to love is to be vulnerable but it's the risk and the it's in the risk and the vulnerability that there is joy and there is the fullness of life. Um, There's, there's a lady um, who I know, an older lady who uh, we used to live nearby. She used to be one of our neighbors and uh, her and her husband, uh, they were high school sweethearts. They were married for many, many years. And it was, uh, I don't know, a handful of years ago, uh, within the past 10 years, maybe that her husband passed. And I, I got to do the funeral and it was, man, it was hard. It was heavy. It was, uh, man, I just, my heart really hurt for her. Uh, and then, you know, and then she was a, a widow. She was alone. Um, and, I, and I just remember thinking, you know, as I'm married and raising my young kids, thinking I can't even imagine what that would be like to lose a spouse, to lose someone that close to you. And then on top of that, I can't imagine what it would be like to ever be in a position to be open to, like, be vulnerable again like that, um, to give yourself to somebody like that, <clears throat> and then um, she she moved away, moved to a new town, kind of got a fresh start, and then I just saw the other day um, that she's she's dating somebody, and she looks really good, like, she lost a bunch of weight, and she looks like she's in this physically and emotionally healthy place and it like they were taking a trip they were going on vacation somewhere together and I thought ah, oh, good for her like she didn't put her heart in the casket right she didn't like and that's actually a, a good metaphor I guess uh of, of, she didn't put her heart in the casket of her husband and she didn't lock her heart away so that it would never be hurt again like she took the risk and made herself so vulnerable, put herself in a place to where she could experience the joy uh, and the fullness of life in that relationship and in that love with this new gentleman. And I'm so very happy for her, right? But think about if she didn't risk it, if she wasn't vulnerable, like she, if she decided that that pain at the loss of her first husband was too much. Like, would she be in the same place? Would she still be carrying guilt and shame and sadness and whatever? I don't know. Would would she be able to avoid the heartbreak by just kind of hiding her heart away? You see, what Jesus did with the lepers was risky. It, it put him in a place of being vulnerable. There were no guarantees that the lepers would return, or if they would say thank you, or if they would follow him, or if they would reciprocate his love to him. But this the reason this is such an incredible passage, the thing underneath everything here, is that this gives us a picture, I think, of who God is and what God is like. God is love, and love is always risky. Love is to love anything or to love anyone, as C.S. Lewis says, is to be vulnerable. And really, if you think about, think about the whole story of the Bible, the whole story of the Bible is about the God who is love, who is continually taking risks. Who is continually being vulnerable. Think about the story of creation. uh, You have God who is love, who creates all that is, and then creates out of love humanity in the image of love, and then this God who is love, who created humans in the image of love, gives us free will, right? Like, that's risky. Have you ever met any humans? (laughs) Have you ever trusted any humans or loved any humans? that have uh broken trust or hurt you or didn't love you back like for the god who is loved to create humans in the image of love and then to give them free will is extremely risky that makes puts god in an extremely play in an extremely vulnerable place and not only does God gives them free will. Give us free will. God also gives them responsibility to steward and guide and manage all that He created, so that we can be co-creators in the ongoing unfolding story of creation. So, love God, who is love, spends all this time creating, and then says, "Okay, I'm, I'm handing, I'm trusting you humans with everything that I've made, right." To, to manage it, to steward it. like That's risky. That's so risky. But that's also a picture of love. Think about the story of the Exodus. <clears throat> it's God's love for the people that leads him to rescue the people. And then he leads them through the wilderness. And then he leads them to the promised land. And this is a very vulnerable moment for God because he keeps trying to get them to trust and depend on him. And they keep turning their backs on him time and time again. What you see is they reject, they deny, they, they go the other direction, and yet he still continues to provide and love them, right? That's risky. That's, he keeps putting himself in this place of vulnerability, right? That, because that's part of who he is. We're thinking about God sending his son. What do we say? Like having kids is like your heart walking around outside of your body. That's super risky, But to love is risk, and to love is be vulnerable. So God sends his son, knowing that his love would not be fully reciprocated, knowing that many would reject him, knowing that that his son would be tortured and executed. Think about Jesus on the cross, all the people he loved throughout his ministry, all the people he helped or encouraged, all the people he fed, all the people he healed, and yet when he's dying on the cross, he ends up all but alone. And yet he's still willing to give his life. Yeah. Right? See, the interesting thing is like, there's this passage in Malachi 3, six. it says, I, I and the Lord, uh, I the Lord do not change. There's this passage in Hebrews 13, it says Jesus is the same today, yesterday, and forever. Right? God is unchanging, and God is love, and Jesus is the embodiment of that. And then what we see through this story of the leper is the same thing we see from <clears throat> this unchanging God all throughout the scripture that I just kind of talked about, that there is this continuation of love, that God who is loved cannot not love regardless of our response. He will continue to risk and continue to make himself vulnerable because of his love for us. From the garden, to free will, to the stewardship of creation, to the rescue of the exodus, to sending his son, to the murder of his son, to the restoration of all things, he has continued to love. Jesus had no guarantees that, they, that the lepers would come back. God had no guarantees that <clears throat> on if we as humans would reciprocate love back to him, and yet he still continues love. And So the point with uh, our, our minister Elise and her cat is that she loves animals, even even cats, which I know is hard to believe. But she keeps taking this risk. She keeps making herself vulnerable. She invests her time, her resources, her heart into these animals that she rescues, and she has no guarantees if they will stay, right? And even though this one has stayed, Bagel, um, uh, even though that cat has stayed and like shown some love in return, there's been a lot of others that have left that have not come back. And if if you were to say to uh, Elise, like. Hey, um, like, it, how how did it make you feel when those other cats didn't come back after you invested your time and heart into them? She would say something like, "Oh man, it's 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 kind of tough. It's kind of sad. You know, it kind of hurts." If 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 you were to ask her, like, well, how does it make you feel that this this one other cat bagel has stayed? Oh, it's 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 cool. We love them. We get you know we get along. We have a good time. I don't know like what it means. I personally don't know what it means to enjoy a cat. So I don't. I'm I'm inserting my own kind of, of words here. Uh, but if you were to say to her, "Hey, um, so if Bagel the cat left, would you rescue another cat?" Her response would be something like. Well, of course I would, or absolutely, or why would I not? Right? Even even after these other cats have left, even this one said, even if this one left, would she still invest herself in rescuing another cat? Absolutely, she would, because she loves, right? And this is what love does. Do you see? Uh, And this and this is a part of who God is. Now, um, you, you could also like take this whole thing a step further and be like, well, if this is what God is like. And, um, this is who God is and what God does since the very beginning. Like, what does this mean for me? What does this, what does this mean for trying to align myself more with God? If, if this is who God is and I am made in the image of God and I'm trying to be more godly, how does this whole play out? Whole thing play out? What does this look like in my life? Um, what does this mean for how I should love and treat the people around me? Like what, what about the family member who continually lets you down? What about the coworker who takes advantage of your weakness, of, of your kindness? What about the person at the store who was rude to you? What about the person in your life that you know is only a taker? What about your ex? What about the person that told you they loved you and then bailed? What about the person at church that wasn't kind to you? What about your enemies? What about people with different political views? What about the uh, people with different skin color, people with different sexual identities, people with different religions? Like are you able to love them if this is if if God is willing to love in this way, take care to be pla- put himself in a place of being vulnerable and you were made in the image of God and you were trying to pursue a more godly kind of life um are you able to love these kinds of people as well because the, the truth is it may mean you get let down, or you may mean you get rejected, or it may mean you get your feelings hurt. It may mean that they don't reciprocate the love that you've expressed, but are you still able to love them? God had no guarantees his creation would love him in return. Jesus had no guarantees that the lepers would come back. Elise had no guarantees um, that the next cat she rescues will stay. There are no guarantees for us in loving others, but love risks. That's what it does. And, And real quick, like what I'm not saying is that if you just keep, like, I'm not saying just keep, let people abuse you or treat you like garbage. Like, of course not. If you have people in your life that are only taking advantage of you or that are only causing you pain or that are abusive in some way, shape or form, that thing, that relationship needs to end, right? It needs to end. It it can still end in love, but that thing needs to end, love on your part, or um, if it's just, if it's an unhealthy relationship, you have to establish boundaries. You have to set the terms of the relationship. Like don't, don't maintain a toxic relationship, establish the boundaries in love, right? And then be able to love them from a healthy and safe place and understand that sometimes loving people means saying no, right? Do you get me? You still with me? See. Being a being a follower of Jesus is tough. It's it's not for the faint of heart. (laughs) To love is risky. To love is to be vulnerable. To love is to expose yourself (coughs) in a way that you might get hurt. But think about the reward. Without the risk of asking Jess's dad for his daughter's information, I would have never known this incredible human being. Without the risk of asking her to marry me, I would never have the experience. Of what it's like to be loved by her or to know the joy of what it's like to have somebody who sees all of my flaws <coughs> who still decides to kiss me goodnight every evening without the risk of having kids I would have never known what it's like to truly live for something beyond the self I would have never known the joy of seeing these little humans grow up the joy of sitting at the baseball field with lumps in my throat every time they get up to bat the joy of one of the kids who seems to think that his only purpose in life is to make me smile and laugh. To love is so very risky, so risky, and it's going to cause some moments of pain along the way, but the reward is the joy, is the life that's found (coughs) in those moments. And what you will realize is that it is in fact worth every ounce of hurt that comes with it. Right? Love is why Elise keeps rescuing cats, even though there's no promises, they'll stay. But when they stay, it's a beautiful thing. <clears throat> love is why Jesus healed the lepers, even though he had no guarantee. Love is why God created all that is and then gave free will to humanity and invites us to be co-creators, even though he has no guarantees that we will reciprocate this love. Right? You, as human beings, are created in the image of love. <clears throat> you were created to love and to be loved. This is your identity. This is where beauty and goodness and the fullness of life will be experienced. In fact, there's this one scripture that's so great, Romans 8 38 I'll, I'll kind of wrap up with this today. <clears throat> this is from the New Living Translation. You see, <clears throat> let's see, Romans 8.38. I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today or our worries for tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or the earth below, indeed. Nothing in all creation (coughs) will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Right? You are loved you are loved you are loved there's nothing that you can do that will ever 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 change that you are loved i love this story i love moving this story of the lepers from a simple story of gratitude to the idea that love is risky and god is love and god is vulnerable and it's in this vulnerability and this risk That we find the beauty and the joy of life Uh, Such a beautiful picture And it's all because of this cat And I don't even like cats But I think there's a powerful message in there For who we are, for who God is For what our relationship is to God And the idea that no matter what Whether we choose to accept it or receive it or not, whether we choose to step into it and live into it or not, regardless of our response, whether we say thank you or not, God loves you. God is love. God cannot not love. Therefore, you cannot not be loved. You, my friends, are loved. So hopefully that helps you in your day today, your week, your month, your year, That whatever you're facing, whatever you're going through, whatever difficulty you come up against, whatever situation that's weighing you down, that's stressing you out, know that you are loved. Whatever uh, your boss says about you, you are loved. Whatever your kids think about you on that particular day, you are loved. However that relationship is going, you are loved. However you feel about yourself, you are loved. Right? That's like that's like the thing that holds everything together. That's like the root of what sits at like the heart of the created order. That God is love, that you cannot not be loved. Therefore you are loved. Alright, my friends. This has been the Sneaky Emu, episode number forty one. Mom, thanks for listening. I love you. I love you, and you love me. And even if you don't, (laughs) and even if you don't, it's okay, because you know what? I am loved. God is love, and I am loved. All right, my friends, I'm sending you all the love in your general direction. I hope that you have a great day. God bless. Go in peace. We're here to unlearn teachings of the church and state We're here to kill-